in verse 19 from the English Standard Version. You find these words. On the evening of that first day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto God for God's word. You may be seated uh, in the presence of God for the time that we are gathered in this space uh, on this day. We like to tag this text with the topic, From Rumor to Reality. From Rumor to Reality. At this point, it was all a rumor. There was no real evidence for the disciples that Jesus was actually alive. While Peter and John had seen the empty tomb, they had not seen the Lord in a physical body. Even Mary's excited and frantic report had not convinced them. It was all still speculation that Jesus has, had risen from the dead. For all they knew, the body of their beloved teacher and rabbi could have been moved to a different location, or even worse, it could have been further brutalized by the Roman guard at the urging of the religious leaders to ensure that Jesus' own prophecy of his resurrection would not come to pass. And speaking of the Jewish religious leaders, there is no doubt in the fact that they were waiting out Passover's festival to conclude, and after taking Jesus out, they would be looking to do the same to those who followed him. Judas was dead, but Peter and John and the others were not. Peter was last seen in the court to the high priest. And having denied Jesus three times, he went into hiding. John was the only disciple who would dare show his face at the foot of the cross just 48 hours earlier, and now he was in hiding as well. The Jewish Sabbath and the Passover festival was now over, and it would only be a matter of time before the disciples of Jesus were found. And so they gathered in a house, hiding and unsure of what was next for them. The rumors of Jesus' resurrection left them with more questions than answers about what was to come. And I would imagine this morning that we all know that feeling. The feeling of not knowing what's next. The feeling of having to fight off the machinations of our mind that would have us to imagine the various scenarios that might play out because we are unsure about what is really happening. The feeling of uncertainty and anxiety and impatience all mingling together and leaving us not knowing what to do. We all know that feeling. And if for no other reason than the fact that two years ago, that for the, uh, for the last uh, two years, we have celebrated Resurrection Sunday much like the disciples in our text in a quarantine lockdown. Lives disrupted because of a virus that threatened our lives. 
The rumors about COVID ran rap rampant and still run rampant in our culture and fear about us or our loved ones getting sick became commonplace. The uncertainty about where to go that will be safe between the virus in our country and the violence in our communities can hold us hostage and keep us in hiding. Fear and uncertainty are a couple of factors in the post-crucifixion reality for the disciples. But there is also the grief of losing someone who had become so central to their lives. From the time that they got word that Jesus is dead on Friday evening, the disciples had found themselves somewhere on the spectrum of grief between denial and depression. And I would imagine that the three years they had committed to following Jesus played uh, in their memories movie theater on a constant loop. There were conversations, the miracles, the lessons, the fellowship. It was all rushing back to flood their minds. But what used to be was no more. What had become normal for them had faded. And in the words of the hip-hop evangelist Drake, nothing was the same. And we know that reality too. Losing what had become normal and comfortable for us. Longing for the days gone by, knowing what was will never be like it was again. Things are different now after the life's changes in our lifestyles that COVID required of us. But normal also shifts after the heartbreak. It also shifts after the transition of a loved one. It also shifts after the loss of a job. It also shifts after whatever trauma we've endured. It also shifts after the medical diagnosis. Nothing is the same. And as much as we like to say that we just have to keep it moving or we need to get over it, we ought not suppress the grief that we experience in our lives. At the same time, we shouldn't allow ourselves to be confined by grief in a way that keeps us frozen in a time that no longer exists. Fear, uncertainty, grief permeate the atmosphere where the disciples are gathered when Mary arrives with the news that the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive, and he is ascending back to his heavenly home in verse 18 of chapter 20. The news doesn't make them feel any more secure, for the Bible tells us that they were in hiding behind locked doors. And as day turns to evening, what Mary told them remained a rumor until it wasn't anymore. Everything changes for the disciples because Jesus shows up in their midst, Still bound by fear and now in disbelief, the disciples are slow to receive this person who has joined their gathering. But once they see the scars, the scars of the nails in his hands and the place where he was pierced in his side, they were overjoyed. Because what seemed to be impossible, what seemed to be improbable, what seemed to be inconceivable for the disciples had become a reality for them. And I know in life that there are some rumors that we don't want to, that we don't want to become reality. But here is a rumor that I know is reality. Jesus lives. Come on, y'all missed y'all moment to shout right there. Y'all missing your moments today. Uh, this is a reality that Jesus lives. And I've got a bonus one for you. That Jesus specializes in doing the things that are impossible. J Jesus shows up. And what looked like the end was just a new beginning. 
What looked like it was over was just a restart. What looked like it was hopeless had now been handled. What looked like it was dead had sprung back to life. And if Jesus could survive the suffering of the cross, if Jesus could overcome the brutality of the crucifixion, if Jesus could defeat hell, death, and the grave, then he can do it in your life too. He can do it in your home too. He can do it in your children too. He can do it in this church too. He can do it in your body. He can do it in your mind. Wherever you are, Jesus can do it for you. I just want to know, is there anybody here that's glad that Jesus turned a resurrection rumor into a resurrection reality? Yeah. Jesus turns what was just a rumor into the reality for the disciples on that evening of the first day. And he does it first by standing among them. Somebody say standing. He does it first by standing among them. Check the text in verse 19. It says, uh, on the evening of the first day of the week, the doors, were be the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. I read this verse, y'all, and I had a major question. Why does Jesus stand among them and not with them? Why, why does he stand among them and not with them? The word among denotes being in the company or in the midst of, while the word with points to being alongside or a part of. This matters in this scene because the disciples were filled with fear, but Jesus was bringing something that they, they were lacking in this moment. He stands among them and he says, peace be with you. Jesus knew that they would be in this moment of challenge and trial. Jesus recognized that they would have all the questions because of all that transpired they were reeling from the reality that their teacher was dead they were overcome with the anxiety about what was coming next but that wasn't the case for Jesus he knew why he had come and he understood what was to come along his ministry journey he had told them that he would have to die but then he would be raised to life he knew what was coming next his reunion with the disciples and his impending return to his home in glory seated at the right hand of his father so he couldn't stand with them because he didn't share in their fear but he so he stood among them as a sign that everything was gonna be all right yeah that's good news today because isn't it good to know that we have a savior that doesn't share in our uncertainties that doesn't share in our apprehensions as life comes our way isn't it good to know today that Jesus has already been through and survived the worst and it's not that he is not with us it is that that he is among us as the one to whom we can recognize has endured and overcome. And just as the resurrected Christ shows up for the disciples, he shows up in the fear, to, in their fear to fill the places to, of our existence as a sign that everything is going to be all right. Jesus has been among us in the midst of health challenges. He's been among us in the midst of relational struggles. He's been among us in the midst of personal failures. He's been among us in the midst of situational uncertainty. He's been among us in the midst of social and cultural unrest. He's been among us in the midst of changing realities. And as he is among us, it shows that in the midst of the shifting and the shaking, we can find a firm foundation in his presence. He's been there and he's done that. And there's an empty grave to prove that he's already overcome. Is anybody glad today that he stands among us? 
before we rush too quickly through the text, though, there's something else significant about Jesus standing among them in that room on the first day of the week. The text says that the doors were locked. The text says that the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. The doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. And I would imagine that the disciples would have been, had taken all the precautions they could to keep the unwanted visitors on the outside of where they were staying. They, they, they probably uh, had the door barricaded and barred, but none of that mattered because, Je- because the text, uh, for Jesus, because the text says that despite their locked doors, despite their locked windows, he appeared in the room and stood among them. This wasn't a hologram. This wasn't some spiritual reflection of Jesus. This wasn't a ghost. It wasn't a spirit. It was Jesus in the flesh, in the room, in his resurrected body, standing among them. And the reality is, y'all, that we've got places in our lives that are locked down. We can be locked in by grief. We can be locked in by fear. We can be locked in by shame. We can be locked in by doubt. We can be locked in by guilt. We can be locked in by depression by depression. We could be locked in by anxiety, but this moment in our text today is a good reminder for us that Jesus will show up in the lockdown places of our lives. Isn't it good to know today that we have a Savior that's not limited by the barricades and the blockades of our lives, but will show up and stand among us. He will do it, and he can do it because he's already overcome and defeated them. So even when we might feel isolated, even when we might feel alone, even when we, when, the night, when we might feel abandoned, even when we might feel betrayed, we can know the words to the hymn are true, that he walks with me. Yeah, come on, you know the song. And he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. We know that the words to the hymn are true, that Jesus knows all about our struggles, and he will guide till the day is done, for there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. It's good to know that there's nothing that can keep Jesus from standing among us. It's nothing. Keep Jesus from standing, standing among us. Jesus turns rumor into reality by standing among them and by stabilizing them. Stabilizing them. We, we keep reading in verse 19 and into verse 20. That Jesus moves through the locked doors to stand among them, and he speaks peace to them and shows them his scars. He said to them, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I can't imagine what it must have been like for the disciples in this moment of seeing Jesus who was dead and rumored to be alive now standing among them in their place of hiding. I would imagine that initially it would heighten their fear because the doors were locked and the question would be how did he get here? Uh, Other narratives suggest that they thought Jesus was a ghost or a spirit which would have been an ominous sign for them as well. They were already in a place of anxiety and uncertainty. So as Jesus appears in the room, he brings with him a word of and presence of peace in order to bring them some stability. The word peace in Jesus' native language of Hebrew or Aramaic is the word shalom. Somebody say shalom in the room. Shalom, shalom. This is more than freedom. This is more from, from disturbance or a time of chaos. It is the state of being that is about 
wholeness. Jesus was giving them peace, not just for the moment, but he was giving them peace for their existence. He knew that there was something missing for the disciples because of how their worlds had been turned upside down. There was chaos and confusion for them from the time they entered the city of Jerusalem for the Passover festival to this very moment that Jesus shows up in their quarantine space. Their peace had escaped them and Jesus came ready to restore it to them. This should have been no surprise to the disciples, y'all. Because this is what Jesus had done all along the journey with him. Uh, you remember the scene when Jesus was asleep in the boat and the disciples were frantically trying to save their vessel. When they woke him up and questioned his concern for them, he stood in the bow of the ship and called out what? Peace! Be still. And the storm stopped raging around them. You remember the time that the disciples were in the midst of yet another storm and Jesus walks out to them on the water. He didn't stop the storm, but told Peter to come and walk in the middle of the storm. Jesus had showed him that where he is, there is peace. And here's a reality. Life is going to throw you some curveballs. Uh, we will be knocked down. We will be challenged. We will face confusion. We will face chaos. We will be destabilized by the ups and downs of life. But in these moments, we have a Savior that speaks to us. Peace be with you. Jesus' presence gives us the peace that passes all understanding. And if we will receive and accept it into our lives, uh, the circumstances don't matter uh, because the challenges don't matter. The crises don't matter because peace is the birthright of a child of God. That's why Jesus said it twice in the text to remind them of the promise that he made to them in John chapter 14 and 27 where he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And it probably didn't make sense to them when they heard it, but in this moment they needed peace and he brought it to them right away they were and when we need peace he will bring it right where we are the situation might not change but the good news is that neither does Jesus's promise of peace being with us notice the text notice their response to Jesus's presence and peace Jesus speaks peace to them and then shows them his scars so that they would know that he was not a fluke that this was the real deal and then the fear and the grief and the uncertainty that was overwhelming them shifted into rejoicing. Y'all see what the text says? The text says that they were glad when they saw it. And when we are feeling unstable in our lives, when we are feeling off balance because life is knocking us around, when the enemy is giving us his best shot, we need to seek the presence and the peace of Jesus. Because it's in his presence that the fullness of joy resides. And his peace has the power to stabilize us. And our testimony ought to be that when peace, like a river, uh, attendeth my way, uh, and sorrow like a sea billow roll, uh, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, uh, come on, I know y'all know the song it is well it is well with my soul somebody ought to shout it is well it is well my soul Jesus turns a rumor into reality by, st by standing among them by stabilizing them finally he does this by sending them I'm done Jesus says to them again in the text Peace be with you. 
as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Yeah, yeah. Jesus had been given a specific mission as he came to earth that is summed up in John chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This was the purpose of his coming. The miracles, the teachings, the healing, the interactions, the relationships, it all pointed to a specific purpose, which was the salvation of the entire world. And just like he was sent now, he is sending the disciples with the same purpose, with the same mission, and with the same goal that the world might be saved. In fact, in Jesus' final prayer, the high priestly prayer in John 17, he prays that as he was sent by his Father to the world, so he would be sending them and sanctifying them for the work. And that's the disciples' purpose, both in the room with him on that first Easter Sunday evening and those who are in the room with us right now and those who are in whatever room they're in online. Jesus has sent us with a lasting purpose to know Jesus and to make Jesus known in the world. Everything we do should be aligned with this purpose. We aren't called to judge or condemn the world. We are called to lift Jesus up. Come on, y'all know the song. We're called to lift Jesus up so that men and women, boys, and girls would be drawn unto him and because of the authority that God gave Jesus Jesus transformed that uh, same mission to his disciples and that ought to be our only focus the resurrection isn't just so that we can get free and keep it to ourselves but we have a responsibility to share it with the world it's amazing because even though these disciples had abandoned him he still sent them even though they had denied him, he still sent them. Even though they had betrayed him, they still, he still sent them. Let me try to get, even though we have abandoned him, he's still sending us. Even though we've betrayed him, he's still sending us. Even though we've denied him, come on, I know it's not popular. I know you don't want to hear it today, but he's still sending us. In spite of whatever it is that you've done, in spite of your insecurities, in spite of your shortcomings, in spite of your sin, he's still sending you. Still sending you. Same Jesus, but he's sending them into a new reality. That sound familiar? Yeah, I know it might feel familiar in here, but this is a new reality. It's, uh, as Princess Jasmine and Aladdin would say, a whole new world. It's a new reality for the disciples, and it's a new reality for us. But Jesus, the mission is still the same. He's still sending us to seek and to save the lost. He's still sending us to bring hope to a lost world. He's still sending us to let our light shine before men and women that they might see our good deeds and glorify our God in heaven. The mission is still the same. Verse 22 and 23 of the text, he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Uh, John's gospel is the only place where the resurrection, the great commission, and the coming of the Holy Spirit all show up in the same event. That is significant because it points to the continuity of the work of the, uh, of the, work of the Spirit that is needed for the disciples to continue the mission that was initiated by Jesus' life and ministry. 
The Spirit was with Jesus as he was conceived. The Spirit was with Jesus as he was baptized. It was with Jesus as he was tempted. The Spirit was with Jesus uh, as he announced his ministry. The Spirit was there every step of the way, even into the dark place of the Garden of Gethsemane. And in that same Spirit led Jesus to Calvary's cross. And it's the same Spirit that powered his resurrection. Why uh, does this matter today? Because, it, it, because if the Spirit was with Jesus, then Jesus has given us that same power that guided his journey to guide our journey. Come on, you missed your shout right there. The same power, the same Spirit that got Jesus up out of the grave is the same Spirit that has been given unto you to do what God has called you to do. Uh, Jesus grants them power. Uh, grants them the power they will need to find peace to find joy and to find purpose in their lives. Jesus promised the disciples that they would have an advocate, a paraclete, a teacher, and a God in the form of the Holy Spirit. He promised to send them a comforter to be with them on their journey. And once Jesus, and, and, and Jesus once again does just what Jesus says that Jesus will do. He sends them the Spirit. And as Jesus' action of breathing in this text is interesting. Because just like God breathed life into the bodies formed from the dust to animate them and give them life, Jesus does the same to initiate and inspire new life in the disciples. And it's that same Holy Spirit that is our life and our God. We carry the divine spirit of God to lead us and guide us along the way. And Jesus promised us his spirit and his power. And it's lasted over 2,000 years and is at work right now in your life. Uh, Jesus is sending us, like he said in Acts chapter 1, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus is sending us with his spirit to be witnesses wherever we go. Uh, we've got to tell the story. Uh, we've got to be witnesses to what happened to a man who came down to through 40 and 2 generations to a man who was born of a virgin in a town called Bethlehem, to a man who grew up in the streets of Nazareth, who met to a man uh, who was a did ministry uh, in the dusty streets of the region of Galilee, uh, where he healed the sick, caused the lame to walk, made the blind to see, uh, and even raised people from the dead. Y'all, we've got to tell the story about a man that came to serve others, a man who was betrayed, a man who was abandoned, a man who was denied by his closest companions. And on one Friday, come on, y'all help me in here. I feel like preaching. And on one Friday, after enduring false charges and being beaten beyond recognition, he made his way up the Via Dolorosa to a hill called Calvary, where they hung him on an unbarked sycamore tree. They put railroad spikes, not nails, y'all, but they put railroad spikes in his hands and in his feet. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They pierced him in his side. And y'all know how the old Baptist preachers used to say, he died 
died, didn't he die? Uh, he died until the sun refused to shine. Uh, he died until the veil in the temple was torn in two. Uh, he died for you uh, and for me. Uh, and when he died, uh, they took him down from that old rugged cross uh, and buried him in Joseph's uh, new tomb. And he laid there all night on Friday. Uh, and he laid there all day on Saturday. Uh, but early, uh, come on, y'all ain't gonna help me in here. But early uh, on Sunday morning, I get excited excited about early. I got to say it one more time. But early on Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. He got up with all power in his hands. Early on Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands so that we could be witnesses to go tell his story. We've got to tell his story, but we ought to tell our story too. We've got to be witnesses of the resurrection in our lives too. Uh, our story of Jesus and his love. We got to tell folks how he saved us. We got to tell folks how he raised us. We got to tell folks how he kept us. We got to tell folks how he healed us. We got to tell folks how he delivered us. We got to tell folks how he's provided for us. We got to tell folks how he picked us up, turned us around, and placed our feet on solid ground. Jesus is sending us with his spirit. Jesus is sending us with his power. Jesus is sending us into a new reality to tell the story of Jesus and his love. Can you say yes? Yeah? Say yes! Yeah!